Sean Stick from the Liquid Conversations, and I'm here with who? My name's Neil, and I sing in clutch. <laughs> did you have to think for a second? I did, you know. Have you ever gotten to a point in your life where you're like, okay, so where am I, what am I doing, and what state am I in? Uh, there, that happens on tour sometimes. You know, there's the classic trope of you know, spinal taps giving the wrong city. <laughs> but that's a very real phenomenon because ground, after, you know, week three, four, it becomes a bit like Groundhog Day. and You kind of zone out for a little bit. You All you know is you need to get off a tour bus, get on stage, and that's about it. Crowds always look the same from, you know, 100 feet away. And a lot of times you can't even see them because of, the, you know, the, the lighting rigs uh, being, you know, in between you and the crowd. Okay, so that's a good point. Is that easier for a singer? I don't like it. You, you want to see them? Yes. I, I want to be able to engage people. It makes makes me more excited. Right. Um, the emo- the back and the reciprocal emotions. Clutch has always kind of had that relationship with their fans anyway. You feed off the energy from the crowd. That was really kind of what Clutch's thing was, right? I think so. I, I think I, initially it was probably nervous energy. Okay. I didn't know what to do it myself um and then i you know i had terrible stage fright when we started did and, you really and i still you know before any gig get a little bit you know amped up not i guess not so much in fear but right it's but that's a thing that's a good thing uh anxiety yeah you know you, uh, and now give you a pill so you don't have it i think those yeah you don't I mean, I, I guess everybody's got their different story to tell, but for me, that manageable anxiety is a good thing because if you become complacent and too comfortable, you start daydreaming, and that's when mistakes okay. happen. Right. Um, adrenaline is a good way to focus. You literally get up on stage, you take that anxiety, that adrenaline, and for you, it's the swing harder for the fence. I think so. Yeah. You know, try to you know, don't try to pull all the tricks out of my hat. At, you know, in the first three minutes, you got to do an hour twenty. To use a bad statement, you don't want to blow your load on the first three songs. That's another analogy <laughs> yeah it's uh i th- i think uh shows that shows that i like to go see with other bands are very dynamic you know where it's it's not just on 11 from beginning right. to end some folks like that but i like a bit of a journey that's a good point because every time that i've seen you play and also listening to your catalog of music that's really what it is it is a journey there's an ebb and flow to it and you have those points where it's a little more relaxed you kind of get a chance to take a breath and then you come right back at it full force I think that's uh, in any uh, genre, those dynamics are a good point of reference because right. if you're always swinging for the fences, there's no point of reference. Right. It sounds the same after a right. while. But if you bring it, it just down, becomes white noise. Yeah. And then if you, you bring it down, uh, swing it in a different manner, and then you go back to a, uh, to a different point or even to one you haven't yet, it sounds that much more different. So when you're up on stage, you're talking about this, you have this idea, uh, a pattern, uh, almost kind of like a, a lyrical manifesto so to speak. When you get up on stage, is that conscious in your mind while you're doing it, or does it just happen automatic at this point? You mean as far as lyrical content? Or well, just like you, just your attitude about how you approach the show, you know, engaging with the crowd, uh, as far as you want the ebb and flow, or not giving it, you know, going 100 miles an hour the whole set, you kind of have those spots where you kind of dip a little bit. Is that something that just happens, or is it something that you consciously think about? I think sometimes I have to consciously think about it. Okay. Sometimes I think the best shows are the ones that we you never give it a second thought. Yeah, the Shows Automatic. that are auto autopilot, they're over before you know it. Right. Those usually, I think, there's a synergy between the band into itself and the audience. The ones that you overthink, it shouldn't be. Th- it's not. It shouldn't be thought out. It should be instinctual. Don't think and shut up and just play. Yeah. In other words, it, that's an old school mentality. If you think about that, because it seems like bands that we might have grown up that were coming out of, like, say, the '70s, they kind of had that. And some bands now maybe kind of lose that a little bit. Like they, they kind of miss the boat on it. They try to be so concerned about what they're going to do and the image that they have to 
project and all that stuff, they kind of miss the idea that this is an exchange of energy between you and, and I crowd. think any performance should be unique to that moment in time. You know, right. when I see a band that clearly, well, this is the part of the song where I jump and I do a right. 360 and swing my guitar on my neck every single night. Right. To me, that's not very musical. That's no. theater. Right. Uh, and I think... And techn- maybe not even good theater. Yeah, technology being what it is, it's easy for bands to become slave to the production. You know, the, you know are you going to write your set list because of your lighting director's cues? That's, yeah. That's backwards. Technology is a love-hate relationship with, with bands now, regardless of the genre, whether it's pop, whether it's doom, whether it's, you know, black metal or what have you, or just straight up rock and roll. Technology has made it easier for bands to make the music and get it to their fans. But because of that, bands have a tendency to almost out of default get lazy mm-hmm. about that. They kind of lose that push, that drive. I think, well, for us, and I can only speak for us, we with all these, I don't know what you call it, this embarrassment of riches that technology presents, it's important to still pretend as if it were 1969, 1970. Right. Those albums that everybody knows, those Black Sabbath records, those right. Zeppelin records, were done with a minimum of luxury. Right. You have four tracks, maybe right. eight tracks. Uh, I will you know, I'm, we've been doing this long enough that I remember engineers with a razor blade cutting tape cutting tape yeah and it's i'm glad we were able to experience that because i appreciate the luxury of the undo button it's it's kept you grounded all this time i i i hope so i mean it's easy for it's easy for a band to paint themselves into a musical corner on a laptop uh recording because you can do all sorts of fun stuff right but then you find the song is going to require that you pay, play to backing tracks and half the shit coming out of the pa isn't real right. and i don't think kids realize that a lot of the bands they see a lot of that's pretty canned well yeah i mean you know you download or if, if you're fortunate enough to still have the mentality to buy music you know actually buy a physical copy of something whether it be an album whether it be a cd i mean there's people even doing cassettes again now at this point yeah. people don't understand that what they're hearing on that produced amount of music doesn't really recreate on the stage all that well some people can't play that fast some people can't sing there's you know there's dubs of of layers of vocals that some people are like oh yeah i'm gonna hear that mm-hmm. eh, not really no well we, I, i'm always cognizant of that when we're tracking vocals like okay a harmony sounds good on this course i don't let's not do eight of them right it's you and everybody that's actually in the band doing the harmony yeah i we, i'm the only one singing in the band so i have to keep it pretty stripped down <laughs> and uh you know the thing about technology even vinyl records that's a brand new technology right radio is a brand new technology when you compare it to the longevity history of music, history of music it's right. hundreds of thousands of years old it's right. always been free it had a great run for about 60 years and made a lot of people a lot of money now it's kind of defaulting back to its its default mode. It's a feast or famine now at this point. It is. You it, either you have the artists that are making major dollars and then you have the rest that are struggling to pay a mortgage payment. Yeah, and we are very fortunate that you know every day I wake up and I, you know, I say to myself, you know, I get to do this for a living. It's just, this is awesome. And I know so many great bands that they loved what they did, but they had to they had to make a living, and they couldn't. You know, when they start, especially when you start having kids, becomes a chore. Yeah, and yeah, and it, it's 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 heartbreak for those guys. And yeah, they lose that twinkle in their eye, so to speak. That when they get up on stage, they feel fortunate that they're there doing that instead of digging a ditch somewhere or you know working in a factory or what have you the business takes over at that point where they're just going to work every day and punching a time card like everybody else yeah uh, that's sad because if that's really if that's your attitude that it's just a gig then you should get another gig and make room for somebody who really <laughs> like likes what they do somebody who's you know move out of the way if you're going you know 30 in the fast lane just have somebody else that wants to sit yeah. by because they're 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 motivated to get there it's i've seen guys on stage like when i see buddy guy play live 
it's like this guy never stops loving what he does. And I've seen bands that are an eighth of his age, or maybe not, do quick math, maybe a quarter of his age, who just look like they're smelling shit the whole day. And I don't, I don't get it. That's that mentality. They're just like, they're just doing a function that you could train somebody, you could train any, you know, primate to do. Everybody could be so lucky, man. If you go out, you got a 90 minute set, that's what you have to do. Don't cry me a river. You know, that's awesome, too, because I have this theory about working in this industry, regardless of whether you're the one on stage or somebody like myself in media, it's a hurry up and wait moment. You're always hurrying up to wait. You race to the venue to load in. You race, the, you know, to do the sound check, and you're all amped up after the sound check, and you're like, well, now i got to wait like four hours. Yeah, tour, I, touring is a great education. I've met incredible people. I've been to incredible places. But also, the, but however, the majority of it, of it is what you just said. I like the 90 minutes of the set. The other 22 and a half hours, you could take that. <laughs> you could keep that part. I don't want to deal with that. that. I think sometimes that's where, you know, idle hands make for devil's work. And it's important to be able Stay to... Stay busy. Exactly. So all this stuff that we just talked about, how does that translate to you guys recording a new album? Well, we recorded this uh, latest effort with Vance Powell. who And his he comes from the live background. He's a touring engineer, front of house. He gets it. Yeah, he he's one of us. Right. And so when he, he came out on the road with us for three or four days, and his philosophy was just put microphones in front of the cabinets, record the band all together in one room. Right. It's a very simple thing right. uh, that is kind of gotten lost in translation and they the album listening to it now i know it's going to be a really honest and accurate portrayal of how they're going to sound on stage how do you relate it to psychic warfare i think it's um more stripped down in some regards there's more of a, a wider range of tempos uh there's more songs there's 15 of them on there at this point you know i was so close to it for so long i kind kind of can't see the forest for the trees okay i have to take a step back to understand what this record is if that makes any sense totally they say every Everything's in a name. Oh, the name of the record? Uh, the name of the record is Book of Bad Decisions. So looking at a title like that, where did Neil and the rest of the band come up with that? Where, where does that relate to you guys' life, current, now, past, history? That's hard to say. Well, this title is from a song on the album, which to me, it, it's, a, it's a pretty dark song. I was trying to write lyrics that were kind of like a Cormac McCarthy novel in, in about three and a half minutes. Okay. And But anyone in their life does bad decisions, and you can look back and see the repercussions of that spread out like a pebble thrown into a pool. We've made yeah, we've made bad decisions. We've also made really good ones. Thankfully, you know, all of us are surrounded by good people that write our wheelhouse when we get a little tipsy. Okay, that's that's a good way to put it. You always have to have somebody in your corner. Um, we're all exceedingly lucky. I mean, leaving home sucks, but thank goodness we live in the age of the cell phone to go back to technology True. once again. Neil, thank you. Hey, sure, my pleasure.